0: Money FM 89.3, best of breakfast. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3.
1: You're listening to Money FM 89.3. Time now for Why It Matters with Adrian Abraham and Lin Li Fu, climate, energy, and environment ministers of the group of seven recently planned to accelerate the phase out of unbated fossil fuel use and significantly expand offshore wind power by 2030.
2: But they failed to reach an agreement on a timeline to exit coal, which has been a hot discussion among energy experts and non-profit organizations. The current chair of the G7, Japan, remains opposed to such a deadline, even as some argue that it's key in pushing the world closer to net zero goals set out in the 2015 Paris Agreement and limit global warming to
1: 1.5 degrees Celsius. So, what are the challenges preventing Asia from achieving its net zero goals? Well, as we approach Earth Day on April 22nd, the theme Invest in Our Planet is a poignant reminder of the need for collective investment and action towards a greener future.
2: And today, we have the pleasure to speak with Kazunari. Fukui, Asia decarbonization leader at GE Gas Power, to share his insights on the partnerships and step changes needed to fill gaps within the energy ecosystem and empower collective investment. Welcome to the show, Kasunari. Good morning,
0: Lindi. Thank you very much for having me on the show.
2: All right. In layman terms, can you briefly explain some of the key energy sources in terms of their level of carbon emissions?
0: So if you think about the power generation today, you can primarily categorize into three categories. Number one coming from the fossil fuels, so likes of coal, gas, oil. Number two coming from renewables, which is hydro, solar, wind. And number three coming from nuclear. So these are three categories. Fossil fuel, about 60% global. Renewables, about 30% and nuclear, is about 10%. Now, if you think about the implication to the emissions, of course, the fossil fuel emits uh, CO2. But within this as well, it's important to distinguish between coal and gas. Gas emits as a half as much emission here. But these are emitting technologies, but advantage in terms of providing dependable power. The renewable, of course, doesn't emit, but uh, also not dependable. And then nuclear has uh, got the risk implications with traditional technologies. And there's a development going on to make it safer in place as well.
1: Mm, Interesting. And Kazanari, can you provide an update on Asia's current energy landscape and the challenges it faces in transitioning towards cleaner sources of energy?
0: Definitely. Asia plays a very important role in the global landscape. Uh, Asia emits more than 50% of global CO2 emission, and uh, it's important to address this. And then Asia at the moment, if you look at the power sector, which is about 50% of emission source, you see significant dependency on what we mentioned, the fossil fuel before. And uh, as a result, it's important to decarbonize this fossil sector. And then not only that, in Asia, there's a significant growth in the power demand, capacity growth by 70%, and generation demand increasing by 35%. So not only do we need to cater for today's demand in decarbonized manner, but we also have to cater for the future demand in decarbonised manner as well.
2: So cousinary, you were mentioning that uh, nuclear seems to be uh, quite a you know, promising source of energy there and there are efforts being made to make it safer. So how far are we from that?
0: When you look at this landscape, it's important to consider all the technologies, and then particularly in the Asia context we are geographically diverse countries with different levels of energy dependence and there are also the different levels of development taking place as well. So in front of the nuclear, actually there's a significant development in making this smaller, modular and then safer so which basically means faster to implement, a lower cost, and also for safer for society as well. So you have to realise technologies are moving very rapidly.
1: Kazanari, how important is the support and buy-in of government, industry leaders and investors in enabling the development of hydrogen infrastructure and other sustainable energy sources in the region? I say this because of the development of emerging green technology as a substitute for coal in Asia. This has faced significant setbacks in achieving concrete outcomes.
0: And uh, this uh, multi-stakeholder partnership approach is absolutely critical in this energy transition journey. So be it from the government side, the financing institutions and investors, the developers, technology providers like ourselves, and including consumers as well, all have to partner to resolve. Now, if you look at the Asia sector, we've seen multiple partnerships starting to work. Right, So in a country level, we saw Japan, Australia, uh, signing up to hydrogen supply chain under the Asia Zero Emission Community Framework. You see Singapore EMA pushing for 4 gigawatt of uh, low carbon electricity from Indonesia, Laos. and see in Indonesia just energy transition partnership with multiple countries helping Indonesia. From our side project side as well we are working on various key projects like in Australia we are partnering with Energy Australia to implement the first dual fuel natural gas hydrogen power plant in B in the New South Wales and also in the region we are having a company partnership with likes of IATI for ammonia and then Carbon Core for carbon capture technology. So all these partnerships are important to bring the right solution to the place and then to your point how fast can we bring solutions under the right framework becomes very important.
2: Can you discuss the potential benefits and challenges of adopting green hydrogen as a key source of energy in asia
0: definitely, and then green hydrogen holds a very promising future like. So the benefit being that, that this, of course, back to the fossil fuel generation we talked about, has the potential to decarbonize, and make the fossil fuel generation carbon emission free, given the hydrogen doesn't contain carbon. Um, however, having said that, there is a significant challenge in terms of uh, building a new infrastructure around providing hydrogen. Today, there's a significant infrastructure on natural gas, but not in hydrogen. And also the cost of the fuel has to come back as well. So there's a incre- the equation of uh, uh, having the infrastructure build up, the scale of demand take place, and then for cost of technology to come down. And then for that, we do need the right support framework uh, in terms of incentivizing these things and then making sure the infrastructure develops in time.
1: I'm very interested about the next question. What is the outlook for green hydrogen projects in Asia? You know, given the challenges in turning support and interest into tangible outcomes, and what steps can be taken to accelerate their
0: development? On that front, there's a significant activities going on, whether it's a green hydrogen generation side in countries like Australia, Indonesia, India, or use of the green hydrogen or ammonia right, in countries like uh, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and, of course, Singapore as well in that aspect. And uh, on this front, getting the technology ready is very important. Uh, so from our side as well, we're investing heavily in uh, these power generation technologies to make sure they are 100% hydrogen ready. And as I mentioned earlier as well, we're investing in ammonia technology as well to make sure that these can burn on ammonia and reduce emission intensity.
2: So what realistic targets and milestones can we set this year to make concrete infrastructural changes and speed up the transition towards cleaner sources of energy?
0: And you had a key word there, in the, yeah. I think the speed is the key here. So you see many countries in this region has got the 2050 pledge, mm. net zero by 2050, right. China, Indonesia, 2060, India, 2070. But having said that, Um, these infrastructure developments takes time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have to be balanced in terms of what do we target for the future, but what do we do today? Mm -hmm. And there are many things we can do today immediately. Uh, For example, even switching from coal generation to gas generation immediately reduces emission by half. Uh, By investing in existing assets to make it more efficient, you reduces the emission as well. So while we talk about the hydrogen challenge for the infrastructure builder, while we wait for these things, there are more tangible things to do today. And also most importantly, the policy support has to come in as well, whether it's supporting the dependable flexible power or giving the incentive for low carbon intensity technologies. These policies have to come in today so that right investment takes place and by twenty fifty we have these technologies on the ground.
1: How important is the role of partnerships in bridging existing gaps in the energy ecosystem and empowering collective investment towards a greener future?
0: Yeah. So, in terms of the partnership, this is uh, absolutely critical in terms of bringing the multiple uh, technologies and then also the right uh, solutions into the place. And then for that, as I mentioned earlier, the cross partnership, like right, around the government, the investors, the technology providers, to work together, so that right decisions are being made based on the right solution, the knowledge of the right solutions in place. And uh, particularly in this region, the partnership across the countries are very important. Uh, this is not a solution where each country can solve by itself, and uh, uh, drive this, and in a sense, the Singapore is really driving this forward. Uh, it has already set itself. A very aggressive carbon reduction target which sets a right incentive for other players in the market to behave. And then on top of that, having multiple country partnership to bring the right energy to Singapore. So, in a way, in the region the Singapore showcasing some of what country level uh, people can do to drive this kind of energy transition here.
2: There is so much to talk about and we'd love to go on on this topic but uh, we've run out of time. Thank you very much, Kazunori Fukui, Asia Decarbonation Leader at GE Gas Power. He's been sharing his insights on uh, alternative energy sources in Asia. Thank you very much, great. Kazunori.
0: Thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O.
1: Available on Google Play or the App Store.